the new way of preaching is to be young, to come up with your thermos cup, it's tea, don't worry, and to apparently have a raspy voice, it's like the new thing. Um, I don't know what happened last night at Vespers, conversations for days, laughs for days, maybe I was being too obnoxious, huh? Um, and here we are. So I apologize, um, but there are times where I get anxious, and this is not one of those times. And so I truly believe that God is here. God is in this space, and the worship that we have already been through today has been beautiful. And so it is my sincerest apology, but also my hope that in this time, um, you, you realize this is clearly not about the pastor, and this is clearly about God. Um, so if you will, please just bow your heads and pray. God, there's a message for each and every one of us here. Help us to claim it. In your name I pray. Amen. So how many of you guys have ever made a bucket list? Anybody? Yeah, a couple people. A couple people. We've got some bucket list things happening. I find myself going through my journals quite often now that I'm having to do a lot of sermon preparation that I'm, I'd much rather not be doing. But I came across an entry that had a list of things that weren't quite so much a bucket list, but they were quite ambitious. And so on, on this list of a few things, the first one was run a full marathon. And I was like, that's when I had written it. I was like, that's never going to happen. But now it happened. So I feel like I'm on my way. So the other things on this list then are international travel utilizing hostels or visit Hobbiton in New Zealand. If you don't know what that is, there are plenty of hours, 15 specifically, that you can go and watch extended versions of J.R.R. Tolkien's work, and then you will know where I want to go. I'm a nerd, it's okay. Um, another thing on this list was to learn a new language. What language? I'm not sure, but learn a new language. Spanish? No. See? See what I did there? See what I did there? Um, I understood. See, I'm on my way. So I love that Crystal gets up here and is gathering our energy because when I got here, my first sermon said, I said, I'm the kind of pastor who likes to be in here and likes to have you guys interact with each other. Because what is church if you're not coming to be with people and to worship the people that you're sitting in the pews with? So for the moment, I'm going to release you to pick a neighbor to your left or your right and to admit to them or to confidently tell them an item on your bucket list. Go ahead. Okay, so what I love 
is that you all are being so very gracious and participating in these things, probably because you're like, okay, we'll, we'll indulge her so she doesn't have to talk so much. So maybe I'll just make this a thing and you guys will be this lively week in and week out. But I would like to hear some of the things that we have on our bucket list within our Bonita community. So what are we saying? Let's hear them, shout them out. Traveling, okay. Yeah, traveling is on a lot of people's bucket list. You get that travel bug. You also don't have a bank account anymore. What else? What else do we got? Coldplay concert. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, what else do we got? Making new foods. Ooh, food experimentation. I like that. That's cool. So Whatever it is that you have, you've decided to put your mind to, whatever you decided is a goal or something that you want to do before your time is up, whether it is because of death or just because there's a certain time where you know it is in this window that certain things can happen, that I will be able to achieve or to do certain things. So I have another question for you, and this will be the last one, or maybe will it? We'll see. Um, answer this question with your neighbor. Choose a new one, choose the same one, up to you. What would you do if you had unlimited time, money, and resources? Go. Does it match up with your bucket list, or is it something different? Go ahead and talk about it. that generates when we talk about the dreams and the ambitions and the goals that we have as a community for our life, things that we want to do in our lifetime. If I do the things on my list, but hopefully not if, when I do these things, I know that there are experiences and expectations that I have that will add excitement, meaning, and value to my life, calling them so-called times of my life. I have the time of my life. It's an expression that we use all of the time, 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 time. But what if I never achieve or experience those things that, that I have on this list? Will I not be having the time of my life? A question that I want to pose to you this morning for you to think about is considering your relationship with time. What does your relationship with time look like? Is it a good one? Is it a bad one? Is that even a thing? Do you love time? Do you hate time? Is that a thing? I don't, I don't even know what the right answer is. Is this the time where you go, Jesus, you just say Jesus and it's the right answer? 
You know that when you're younger, you can't wait to be older to be able to do some things. And then when you're older, as I am learning to be, and if you keep telling me I'm not, pay my student loans, um, you, you know that you want time to slow down. There's not enough time in your day to do all the things on your list or the goals and achievements that, that you want to experience. We read and we know some of these idioms about time. Time heals all wounds. Time is a gift. That's why it's called the present. One of the things that I came across as I was studying and preparing for this week was this one, which in some sense was a little pessimistic, but in other senses it was like, well, there, there's that. That's a fact. Time does not pass. It continues. Simple as that. And so we think about our relationship with, with time, whether we love it, whether we hate it. Today's key text, as you will see printed on your bulletin, is found in Colossians. Colossians, if you want to open your Bibles, there's one in the pew in front of you or whatever smart device you have. Colossians is where we will be spending our time. And it is a short little book. Is it, is, it is a short letter written by the Apostle Paul. You'll probably have read it three or four times if you've never experienced this letter by the time I'm finished. So by all means, I will not be upset if that is what you're doing. This is a book that addresses time. It's a letter that addresses time. Oftentimes people love reading the epistles and the works of Paul because they are correspondence. They are letters to the churches and to the people um, who are receiving them. These are active communities and spaces who are receiving his discipleship and his counsel. And so this letter from Paul to the Colossians is where we'll be spending our time today. There is an author who describes the letter to the Colossians like this. Think globally, act locally. That could be the motto of the epistle of Colossians. This letter adopts a cosmic perspective that, human, that views human existence from a vantage point of one who knows the secrets of the universe. It sets across tie, taking us from, from the start of creation in chapter one of Colossians to the end of the age in chapter three, stopping along the way to reveal the meaning of life, reveal the source of all wisdom and knowledge, the reason for order of the universe, and to reveal humanity's only hope for peace. Written in letter form, some of the things that we read in the works of Paul are a little bit on the nose, and so we like to think, oh, I get it. I don't have to think about those confusing parables that Jesus was trying to tell or whatever hidden principle he was trying to get at. This is right here. I, I know what this means. But we have to realize that we're only getting half of a story like half of a phone call. This is one core, one edge of the correspondence. Paul in this letter is talking to the Colossians, describing what it means to have a living faith. That the promises of God that we get to experience today because of what Jesus has done, that while we have always been part of God's plan of salvation and reconciliation, we claim Jesus. 
Jesus makes it so unbelievably clear. Kingdom living is for today because he has conquered today. We have the opportunity to experience victory and to thrive because of what we find in these letters and because what it speaks into the truths of our lives as we look at our surroundings and find God in them. If you've been part of our Connected Life groups for the past few weeks, you have been partaking in these conversations of what it means to live this life, claiming joy, thriving, claiming victory. Verse 1 in Colossians, Paul, an apostle to Jesus Christ by the will of God and to Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ of Colossae, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. I will just briefly do a survey of what this letter goes through, even though we got much of it from the author who describes Colossians. So we have this letter, and in chapter one, as you look at the headings, it's quite ex easily explainable. Paul is praying for this community and for this group of people, and he is praising them. Because if we look at the other letters, there are many times where he near calls them idiots. And so here we see, you have heard of this hope before in the world before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you, just, that it is, just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves. Later down, verse 11 in chapter 1. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints and in light. And quite easily, you go through some of the headings, the supremacy of Christ, chapter three, or chapter two, the fullness of a life in Christ, chapter three, a new life in Christ, chapter four, how he closes out, and what this means to claim a life in Christ. I think through this letter, Paul says, proclaim Jesus. And watch how that speaks into the reality of your life and how it defines the values and shapes the choices that you make. While there is still a future to look forward to, today Jesus transforms you. Today Jesus is here and he impacts what you do and how you see it. So they say... If you want to see somebody's priorities and where their values are... You track their bank statements and their calendars. Where people spend their money is probably where they will be at. I believe that's true, but I would also think, let's see where our time is spent. Sleep, work, play. Sleep, school, play. Sleep, school, sleep, school, whatever, whatever your pattern might be. And for all of us, it looks different, and we can break it down even more. My bed routine going to sleep at night was dramatically different than my roommates in Michigan. I always had to be the last to get ready for bed because I took the most time. Like, what more do you need to do than brush your teeth, wash your face, and get into bed? Well, first of all, guys... My mother's brother 
is a physician who works with skin, and my father's brother is a dentist who works with teeth. And so for my whole life, it has been, you don't wash your face with a bar of soap, you use specific face wash, and then you use your toner, and then you'd use your night moisturizer. It's like, okay. And the fact that if I took off my makeup, you would see freckles, you already know I didn't do that for a long time. And so, as my roommates would say, they're like, what, can't you just hurry it up? Well, no, this is what I need to do for me. So, the average person lives about 80 years. Just average person, right? And if we were to think of an 80-year-old, we're going to do a thing right now as we turn our uh, eyes to the screens that looks at how much time the average person spends over their lifetime doing certain things. So this first one, zero, is a sample, even though it's really just because I messed up and didn't know how to renumber them. But how much time does the average person spend sleeping? An 80-year-old average person over the course of your lifetime. All right? So we will go sample 25 years. So we're going to go through a few of these and just think about these answers for the average person and then see how that correlates to what we know of our lives and what we think may or may not be accurate. So here's our... Our next one. How much time does the average person spend working over the course of their life? Got your answers? B. Our next question. How much time does the average person spend sitting in a chair? C. How much time does the average person spend watching TV? You guys are finding that you may or may not be above average, huh? How much time does the average person spend eating? How much time does the average person spend in a car? You're onto something. So, it does depend on if you live in Southern California. And if you were to Google this, which go ahead and do it right now, you will find that if you live in Southern California, you will spend 81 hours in parking lot traffic as a Southern California resident per year. So this is granted closer to LA, but per year, 81 hours in just parking lot traffic. That has nothing to do with this statistic right here of average time being in a car. So this is on top of that. Our next one. How much time does the average person spend on social media? So I will say that this particular statistic is a 2013 statistic. 2013, which means the average of young people 
participating has gone up, and the average age of people participating in this has also gone up. So it's probably, I don't know that it's quite four yet, but more than that, that's straight three right there. How much time does the average person spend laughing? Eight months. How much time does the average man spend bathing over the course of their lifetime? Right? You have some, you guys, I, I feel like you're having some personal anecdotes. We don't need to start any fights in, in church today. 195 days. Now, obviously, we're going to do women because equality, right? So, how much time does the average woman spend? said, don't start any fights among yourselves. Just let it be the truth. Let the facts speak for themselves. 205 days over the course of the average lifetime. How much free time does the average person have over the course of their life? Ten point two years. I feel like you guys got that one very well, or you were just noticing my pattern that it was usually C, if if anything. So if you guys will follow along with me for a second, and we're gonna we're gonna do some math. And I'm a I did theology right, so I'm not good at this. So it's gonna be real simple, which means all of us can do this. Study and research. Scholarship has come to the consensus that Jesus was about 30 to 33 years old when he died before he was crucified. And we know from our Bibles that we have three years of ministry recorded in the Gospels um, through what Scripture tells us. So... If we, we take about 30 and we have three years, we could say we've gotten a 10% glimpse into Jesus's life, 10% of his time. And, and we see that he dramatically changed the universe in that span, three years. We are not unfamiliar to this thing called 10% and what we do with giving back. Oftentimes we refer to this as a monetary action, a financial means of giving back 10%. We give back 10%, even though all of it's God's, but we, we make this pledge to ourselves and we remind ourselves that this is not ours. So if you want to know where somebody's priorities lie, you don't just look at their ambitions, you look at their bank accounts and their calendars. Today's sermon title, the time of my life, and it's not the realities of my bank account, so we don't need to talk about a financial sermon, but I would like to challenge us with this. What, for the sake of conversation, would it mean to explore tithing our time? What would that look like? We saw 10% of Jesus' time. If we did 10% of our lifetime, that's 
a lot. It's a lot of time. You think about what you can do with that. Some major things can happen. But I also recognize that that's, that's a little unrealistic, unfortunately, because we have things to do, which is weird because our conversation should be, what more do we have to do? We've been called and we go. But this is the reality of life and this is the world that we live in. And so let's play with that. Let's be real. We don't have eight years to give of the average life of an 80-year-old person, but if the average person has 10.2 years of free time and we tithe that, I'm not saying give all your free time away, that's exhausting. What set of healthcare and our health message if we said all of it was running yourself into the ground? That's, that's not what this is about. But if we have free time and the average person has 10.2 years of their life. So if we tithe that, a simple 10% would be one year. Jesus had three years. Now, granted, I know Jesus was Jesus and we are not that. But if all of us who are the hands and feet of Jesus, who is at our head, started with this concept, it doesn't seem as impossible. Over the course of your lifetime, one year's worth of service and giving back, it seems completely doable for me. It's interesting because we know that when you leave a life of service, you probably perpetuate more service. One of the biggest disappointments in myself was not going with my best friends to be a student missionary in the Marshall Islands. Things happened, life happened. And so-and-so was getting married and so-and-so was sick and so-and-so, and so I stayed. But they went out and they spent 11 months teaching young children what it meant to be educated and to love God. And I think about that now, and I think about how they've changed since they've been back. If you have any missionary friends, or even if it's a, if it's a long-term or a short-term, sometimes you go for a weekend, you build a house, you pass out some things, you run a VBS for kids. And when you serve and you do these things, all of a sudden you're like, how do I do this more? And so for somebody who may go out as a student missionary and spend one year, they don't keep their quota there. They're like, okay, I did about tithing my time. That's not it. Usually they come back and their whole perspective has changed. And it's like, how do I reorient myself to what it means to be a follower of God? What it means to give back and to serve. It is not a box of which we said, I did my service time. It is about being oriented that way in who we are because of what we've been called to do and created to do. I think that as we read some of the things in Colossians, it helps us to understand this a little bit better. Paul is writing about what it means to claim Jesus, and he's praising this community for being able to know Jesus well. So fullness in the life of Christ in chapter 2, verse 13 God made you alive together with him. He forgave us of all of our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and made a public example of them triumphing 
over them in it. God gave us something beautiful. And if you go into chapter 3, you recognize this next part, what it means to have that beauty, new life in Christ. So verse 12 in chapter 3, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you so that you might also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body, and be thankful. New life in Christ. I'm not sure what your Bible says. My Bible says in chapter 4, as Paul is closing up his remarks to the Colossians, he tells them, an encouragement and an affirmation. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well as God will open a door for the world that we may declare the mystery of Christ for which I am in prison so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. That he was persecuted because he was claiming this message that was so countercultural. Now, because of the space that we live in, we wouldn't get persecuted for claiming our religion, our beliefs, and our conviction. But are we claiming it that fervently even so? Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. And that was our key text in the bulletin. Mine says time, but I have that little letter that says in my apparatus, you can translate it a different way. And so mine says, conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity, which is what it says in your bulletin. Time, oftentimes we think of things that we fill. We fill our time and we do it well. But do we opportunity our time very well? Not really. Time passes, opportunity passes. Time is spent well, opportunity spent well. May we be wise in knowing how to interact with outsiders. I think of this message in relation to many of my friends who don't sit in these pews because they don't know what it means to live a life of faith. They might know service, but they don't know what powerful it is to combine that in the source being God. Pastor Milton and I took a survey of our church of a initiative that the Southeastern California Conference is pushing. They are recognizing that 50% of high schoolers don't come to church after they graduate. And they're, they're recognizing that our young adult space in the church at large is being neglected. Now, I feel so blessed to be a part of a community who values young people and values having those participants in the pews. And I look at these opportunities and I think of what a testimony it means to have God in this place. 
But one thing that I have struggled with, our lowest characteristic was being a good neighbor to your community. And it was not us, it was Adventists at large. We don't do this very well. We have a higher score when we de than we deserve because we are open to it. So it boosts us up. We are like highly rated there. But then when it comes to doing it, it's a little lower. So that average is like a little shifted. And so I think about this concept and I think about my time and how I'm spending it. And I'm troubled because we oftentimes check off our service box instead of saying I live a life of service because that's what I was created to do and to be. Service to each other, service toward the outsider. Paul is giving counsel because he knows what that means in a community who is high and um, excited about the gospel. But it also means be wise with how you treat the outsider and what that looks like. Make the most of that opportunity. It takes seven seconds to make a first impression and a lifetime to make up for it. It's not about having a quantifiable number for what your service looks like. It's not about saying, I have checked this box. It's about having a posture toward being God's created sons and daughters with gifts and something to give back. So there's this song, which I didn't even know was more popular within the last week or two. Um, but I knew the song because I knew the song. I've had the time of my life and I owe it all to you. But if we, if we rethink this in terms of Sabbath today and in terms of what we are talking about, if we tithe our time, God has placed a call on each and every one of our hearts. God has given grace to each and every one of us, a new and a full life, as Paul will explain. We claim the promises of God. May we serve as the tangible hands and feet. May we make the most of our opportunities. May we recognize that we are having the time of our life, that he has given us the time of our lives, and we owe it all to him. May we be wise in the way that we reach outsiders, making the most of our time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer everyone. Let us go out. Let us be that salt and that light and spend our time wisely. Amen.